Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. And joining us now is David Pollock, a top college football analyst for ESPN, and you can see him on College Game Day every Saturday during the fall. He plays college football at the University of Georgia, where he won the SEC Player of the Year Award and was also recognized as the top defensive player in the nation. He was drafted in the first round of the 2005 NFL Draft by the Cincinnati Bengals, and in 2008, he retired due to a major neck injury. He is a husband and a father of two and helps run the Pollock Family Foundation. I'm thrilled to welcome David Pollock back on Unpacking It. David, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Uh, no problem, man. I'm doing great, man. Ready to, let's unpack it some more, dog. What you got? <laughs> Here we go. Well, well, first off, what was the summer like for you and kind of the off season? What were some of the highlights for you and the family? Uh, the same. As soon as I get done with football every year, um, you know, I travel all over the country for that six-month period, and then my wife's ready to travel all over the country. So it's awesome. It's just great. <laughs> um, uh, so we, we travel, and um, we went to the beach, just like a lot of people get to do in the summertime. We went to um, Niagara Falls, which was, which was pretty cool, in Toronto. We were actually at uh, Niagara Falls on the 59th anniversary of the last person that went over the falls and lived. Wow. And it was crazy. It was a seven-year-old boy that the boat crashed above the falls, and he kind of got caught up and then ended up getting tossed over and actually lived. And that, that morning at 4 a.m., somebody climbed over the fence, literally jumped off the falls while we were there. I got at least 15 what? text messages of people saying, was it you? <laughs> I was like, come on, bro, no. Whoa. Um, and lived. Obviously, it's the last person that's jumped off and lived. So. That was kind of entertaining. We'll never forget that uh, oh. that event this summer. That's for sure. Holy cow! Well, so what was kind of the story there? I don't know. I don't think it was a good one, bro. I don't oh. think it was. Um, I don't think it was a good one. But the, the ending, at least, at least he survived and made it. But yeah, um, the summer the summer was fun. It was awesome, and now you can just you can just smell it. Like football's back, and uh, it's funny. Everybody else gets so jacked up and excited, like the best time of year, best time of year. I do too, and I get jacked up with them. And I'm like, oh yeah. I kind of got to work though, um, <laughs> so that's only that might be the only downside for me. But it was a, it was a great summer for us. You're you're back at it. Well, before we talk about the upcoming season, I wanted to go back a, a few months because the the college game day crew uh, was a part of the NFL draft this year on ABC, and I loved watching you guys. I thought it was a nice touch this year. What was your experience like being a part of all that? It was really cool. It it, it was just very unique and different because you got to remember. ESPN comes on and they're going to tell you about, you know, Kyler Murray's five foot nine and a half and his hands are X and he ran this kind of system and blah, blah, blah. And we're going to just, and on ABC, we were like, all right, we'll do the draft at the same time. We're going to tell you about Kyler Murray and his family. Yep. And we're going to tell you about Kyler Murray and his dad and do more stories. And um, I think that there's a bunch of them that, that touched a lot of people like Josh Jacobs going to Oakland and, Talked about he lived in his dad with four brothers. He lived in a in a car for a little while, and the only big time scholarship offer he had was Alabama, and he went to Alabama and had a great career. And so we kind of told the the other side of the story as opposed to the straight, 
you know, this guy's this tall, this guy fits in an NFL system. And it was, it was a success, and Nashville was lit, man. Mm. It was unbelievable. Like, it was nuts. If you took Philadelphia and New York and Dallas, the last three drafts we went to and combined them, you barely fit in Nashville. I mean, Nashville – showed up and showed out so it was a good, it was a good time it, it seemed like a blast and, and and like I said I enjoyed kind of the the different approach that you guys took and and I like some of those stories it was a lot of fun David Pollock our guest right now on unpacking it now of course speaking of the draft now you, you're a college football guy you watch tons of game film you're at games all year long all that sort of thing what is your kind of connection to the NFL at this point how, how closely do you follow it and, and what kind of interest level do you have in the NFL uh, I'm just like anybody else, man. I, I like to watch it. I like to follow it. It's funny because every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, he, uh, Pat Mahomes, he played at Texas Tech. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, was, he played baseball and played football. And I remember interviewing him and sitting or sitting down with him in production meetings. And so you kind of think about the, the backdrop for a lot of those guys. And you were just like, oh, yeah, we, we basically – my son, he gets annoyed with me because he will, he'll be watching a game and be like, somebody makes a tackle. I'm like, oh, Boise State. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> we didn't need to know that. But I'm a fan. I, I like fantasy football. Me and my son have a team every year in fantasy football, so that's always fun, and that kind of makes you watch. And oh, yeah. From a different perspective, though, a selfish perspective, you definitely don't watch <laughs> it as a true fan. But I always follow the Bengals, too. I'll be forever grateful for them uh, investing in me and believing in me, and I wish I could have uh, made a bigger return on that investment, but it definitely uh, didn't happen. But I definitely always keep an eye on them. A- absolutely. Well, and speaking about the Bengals, I was going to actually ask you about Marvin Lewis because – this is the first time we're going to see the Bengals with a new head coach on the sideline in a long time. What did, what did you kind of think ultimately of, of his career, and, and was there anything in particular with, with your relationship and the impact that maybe he had on you during your short time in Cincinnati? Well, you know, Marvin Lewis is a phenomenal human being, a phenomenal man, and a really, really, really good coach, too. You know, the Bengals have struggles as an organization, and that they haven't had a lot of success, and I don't think it's because of Marvin Lewis. I think there's other factors that go into that. But uh, you know, from day one, Marvin was like, "You're gonna come in here and you're gonna be a leader," and really wanted to change the culture of Cincinnati. And uh, good Marvin Lewis story for you. He coached. So I don't know if you know this, but he coached. He was at the Steelers for a long time. Mm. Coached there, and he had outside backers Kevin Green, and he had Lloyd, and he had all these guys that were really, really good. And, I remember coming in, he was like, you're going to be my, you know, so-and-so. And, and, oh, sweet, LeVon Kirkland, all those guys. And, oh, yeah. and, and I was like, okay, um, you know, and, and I came in, and, I, and, and they had a, he had a number in my, in my locker when I got there, the day, the day of the draft. It was the, the night of the draft, 99 to the Bengals. And I was like, hey, Coach, uh, I like 99, but, um, you know, I, I, I was 47. I'd love to be 47. He's like, no, no, I really like 99. And I was like, I do too, Coach. I'm not saying it's a bad number, but I'd prefer to have, you know, 47. He's like, well, I love 99. And I was like, I love 99 too. Let's go. You know? <laughs> so, so we were 99. And, there um, you go. But no, great man. Uh, he had a great family. Peggy was awesome to his wife. And um, he, uh, he, he did a good job for a long time. I think people looked at the playoff burst for them and not getting out of the first round. And they're like, how does he not do that? I think you'll see now with, without him there, that it's not, as easy, it's not as easy to get to the playoffs all the time. That's right. And just his ability to sustain year after year says a lot about him and his longevity for sure. David Pollock, our guest right now on Unpacking It, college football analyst at ESPN, and of course uh, one of the, the stars on college game day. And so I'm curious, as we uh, head into another season, and, and everybody loves college game day, it's what starts Saturday and, and it just makes the fall, and because this show has been so successful for so long, 
I, I wonder, like in meetings before the season and as you guys kind of discussed throughout the year, how much do you guys try to change the show or tweak the show? But at the other, time, other side of things, you want to keep it the same. It, it, it's been working. So what's kind of that, that approach to the actual show and kind of the, the progression of the show over the years? It, it's just like anything else. You know, it doesn't matter how good something is. There's always ways to make it better. Now, we were just in Charlotte making uh, meetings, and we were talking about that this summer. And how do, we, how do we advance the ball, and how do we get better? And we do it every year. We get together every year and have that conversation, and we came up with ideas and different things that, oh, this might be better, this might be better. And, you know, like this year we have a new desk and a new set that um, is really, really cool, a new design of the set and desk. And, but we're always trying to find – an edge and always trying to find something that you can do different to make it better. The world's changing too, dude. I mean, it's not yeah. like it's going to be the same all the time and there's going to be, you know, social, more social media gets brought into it. The more the years go on and, you know, more features and more pieces and more things that get you up to date on certain things. So it's definitely always a work in progress, but any business, any show, any corporation that's ultra successful, we're always trying to find ways to tweak things and, and get better. Absolutely. It makes sense. And, you know, I compare college game day to inside the NBA and pardon the interruption, just as shows that, that have been consistent for so long. But then at the same time, they do make tweaks and it just continues to get better. And I love watching it year after year, all three of those. What about for you personally as an analyst? Like, what do you do to get better? Do you end up watching kind of, you know, game film of yourself as an analyst? Do you work with, with coaches? What, what's kind of your strategy personally? Yeah, you, you, I, I personally don't like, like a lot of people, I don't like looking at myself on camera or hearing myself because <laughs> you, you realize how annoying you sound. Um, but uh, no, my, my evolution has continued to grow in what, what I read uh, on leadership, um, what I read on football, what I go visit, because I usually go visit several schools every off season and try to ask about, me and Gene Chizik have, have done it for a couple of years, is just to okay, we want to learn about RPOs, let's go to Texas. We want to learn about this, let's go here. Let's go here. We want to learn about X, we go to see different schools. So it's a, it's a fun thing, but you've got to keep up with the game because just like anything else, the games have new trends every year too. And I really liked what, what so-and-so did. Let's, let's go look at it in more depth and figure out what they're doing and what, how they're doing it and, and um, just try to learn as much as I can, absorb as much as I can. I, I don't, my job isn't to tell you the greatest little nuance about a right guard, hmm. but I need to be able to watch every single, I need to be able to watch every single play and know what they like to do, why they like to do it, how it fits, you know, all that stuff that will make me better in the future. And if I can do the off-season studies of running backs and I can go ahead and get my eyes on, the top running backs like DeAndre Swift next year and watch him and what makes him special, what makes him unique. And then when the season starts now, I just plug in and go, okay, I want to find some examples. Well, this was an example I found last year and the year before and um, just kind of evolve, learn the new guys because a lot of highly recruited, high-profile guys come in every single year. And for me, it's making sure I know and stay on top of that. So just continue to study and learn and grow and, and try to figure out um, – what everybody, what the next step is in, in football. That that's awesome. I love it. David Pollock, our guest right now on Unpacking It, college football analyst for ESPN. And, and so you mentioned that you, you try to visit some schools in the off season. Did you end up doing that this off season? Where where'd you go? Yeah, we actually have a couple things planned um, to go. Me and uh, me and Shizik are going to go to Texas, and then uh, in Maryland, I'm going to the University of Georgia soon. Um, so several several spots preseason that we'll 
we'll go visit and see and, and talk to those cats and figure out what they're doing and what they're going to what they're going to be in this fall. I think Texas will be a team that we talked about a lot. Georgia will be a team that'll be talked about a lot. So those will be fun studies and. They play each other in the Sugar Bowl last year too, which was not fun for Georgia fans. No, that's right, a- absolutely. Well, well, in, in talking about the upcoming season, is, is there an underrated team heading into the year that maybe you're higher on than most? You know, every year we do this, and I think the definition of underrated. First of all, I, I think everybody's underrated except for Alabama and Clemson. <laughs> I mean, who the heck? It's, it's basically okay. Everybody's got Alabama. Everybody's got Clemson in there. Let's just go from there. You know, where else are we gonna where else are we gonna find playoff teams? When I pick a national champion, I think it's gotta have a couple of things. First of all, defense does win championships, but not really that much anymore. Okay? Let's be honest. You've gotta be able to score. Oh yeah. You've gotta have weapons, you've gotta have a quarterback that can make plays and go tick for tack when you face teams that have are one sided but their one trick pony is so good like Oklahoma in the last several years. Um so I think it's Alabama, it's Clemson, and then I think it's everybody else that's going to be left out. I think Georgia has a good chance because defensively, I think they're going to have something they haven't had in a long time, which is some pass rushers. And, you know, Jermaine Johnson coming in, and they they haven't had a guy, you know, get 10 sacks or get double-digit sacks or put fear in people in a long time, even though they've been very successful. And I think they're going to have that with Anderson and Cox and, um, Johnson and, and Dean, they're going to have several guys that are going to come in right now and, uh, and have impacts that have been poor that have been there for the last couple seasons. When you look at teams uh, across the country, like Syracuse had a great year last year. I think Syracuse is a team that's going to have another sneaky good year this hmm. year. And I think they'll be a nine-win, ten-win team because oh, wow. I think they run a phenomenal offense. And uh, Dino Babers is one of the most underrated coaches in college football. Nebraska's a team that's starting to get a lot of love, but they were a team that were, it was five wins last year. Yeah. And first year, Scott Frost, Scott Frost was shipping everybody out and having a lot of problems. And, and then this year, you see a lot of, uh, you see a lot of big things coming. Adrian Martinez is a quarterback that everybody will know pretty shortly if they don't know him already for Nebraska, that was a true freshman a year ago that's got some, He's got some magic to him, man. He's big, thick, can break tackles, can run, but also poised and can throw the football, you know, all over the yard. So I think everybody besides Alabama and Clemson is uh, is up for this conversation. I think Texas will be really good. Um, it's still Alabama and Clemson's world that we're just living in. <laughs> no, it's so true. David Pollock, our guest right now on Unpacking It. And, and so as you say that, and, and we talk about it as, as fans and, and the media just kind of, there's this understanding, all right, Clemson, Alabama, they're the, team to, the teams to beat. Is that a, a good thing, bad thing? What are the pros and cons of just that reality that it has been Clemson, Alabama the last few years, and it appears to be that way again? Well, obviously the con of that is going to be everybody's going to look and go, crap. Well, we know two of the four. That's kind of annoying. Um, I think everybody will say that, but the road to get there is going to be is going to be fun to watch either way. And and you have villains, which I think makes the sport good because Clemson's been the underdog, the consummate. Hey, go get the you know, they were the little guy that beat Alabama a couple of years ago. And everybody was like jacked out of their mind. Now everybody's going to get tired of Clemson and they're winning. So you know, and I've been around the game now for a while, and everything's cyclical, man. Everything comes in in cycles, and when you got great coaches. Like Nick and 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 Dabo, it, it just it runs to success for a long period of time, and they're going to continue to be there. And it's 
it's going to be annoying to some, but it's also going to be good. Listen, football is in a great spot. College football continues to grow every year and have more fans. And listen, more people are invited. Can you think about, I mean, just, just think about what we have right now with Clemson and Alabama and think about if we had the BCS system still. Ooh. We wouldn't have anything to talk about. Yeah. Now at least we have things we can talk about because there's four spots regardless. And those three have been in the last three years and played each other in the last three years. But now we've got other teams that can play spoiler with Georgia and Ohio State and Michigan and these teams that are going to be you know right there hopefully at the end of the season and maybe, maybe spoil somebody's dreams. David Pollock with us right now on Unpacking It, college football analyst for ESPN. And, and, and you, you can't talk about Clemson without talking about Dabo Sweeney. And, and so I'm curious your perspective kind of just on him as they, they win another championship and, and they gear up to prepare for another one this year. Just your perspective as an analyst, as a former player, and also as a fellow believer, just the impact that Dabo has had on Clemson, college football, and really just on, on coaching in general. What, what are your kind of uh, main opinions about him? Dabo's the man, that's my opinion. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, I didn't think it was possible to not be a dictator and not be a on to the next guy, like enforcer, you know, driver, no fun guy. I didn't know if it was, I didn't think it was possible to win and not be a Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Jimbo Fisher kind of guy. Dabo just proved us all wrong multiple times now. He doesn't lead from a place of authority and a place of being a dictator. He leads from a place of love mm. and he loves on his guys, and it's a relationship. It's not a dictatorship. And, yes, he holds them accountable. He's not out there practicing like, yeah, hey, you're the best guys. I mean, he's out there getting after his guys. But he just loves on them. And he's the, he's the ultimate underdog in his career. And he was, you know, selling real estate years and years ago. And then he didn't know if he was going to coach. And he was a walk-on at Alabama. And just kind of, you know, then he, all of a sudden he's a wide receivers coach at, at Clemson. And, Coach Tommy Bowden gets fired, and they're like, all right, who's, who's the guy? All right, Dabo Sweeney, who's this guy? And then never been a coordinator, never been a uh, you know offensive or defensive coordinator, but just steps in and starts winning, and, and the rest has been history. So just change the, the formation of the landscape. I, I love the guy. I don't talk to many coaches in college football. I keep an arm's length from, from everybody so I can do my job very effectively. But Dabo is, is a guy that I have a tremendous amount of respect for and if you're saying my son and he wants to play for one person, it's him because he leads with uh, strong faith and strong conviction and has uh, incredible relationships with his players. It's incredible, and, and I had the opportunity to meet him this offseason, and, and he lived up to what you'd hope a guy would be and, and how he's kind of comes across you know, on TV and in the media. That's, that's how he is behind the scenes, and it's just so cool to, yep. uh, to, to know that and, and, and see that. And so his success, you just root for him. You can't help but root for him. David Pollock, our guest right now on Unpacking It, top college football analyst uh, with ESPN. And, and so we, we love talking football here on the show, but, but as you know, we love talking faith. And so as you look back at the, the, the last year and kind of the last time we, we talked, what have you kind of been learning? What have you uh, maybe seen God do in your life, some, some things that, that, that you're growing maybe personally and, and spiritually? I think for me, the older I get, the more you realize that how much accountability matters. In every in every facet, but uh, you know, I have a buddy of mine that we we text and we do devotionals together, and 
we'll literally send text and, and and my he texted me a couple of days ago and I texted him. I said, What's your what's your weekly goals? You know, one of the things I've started doing is just keeping a journal and at every Sunday, they don't have to be, you know, read sixteen hundred pages of a book. You know, like this week I, I have goals of, of an extra I have an exercise goal of what I want to accomplish. I have um, a reading goal of, of what I want to accomplish. I have a, a goal of I want to be able to, I want to compliment my spouse three times a day. You look cute. Like find three good things to say. You know, I've done with my kids and make sure I tell them I love them three times. You know, this a day this week and just you know I think for me a, a good a good a good dose of accountability and uh, making small short term goals for the for the week for the day that um, that helps me stay focused. I, I, I you see a lot more as you get older and you see more struggle and you see more hard times and I think I'm starting to do a lot better job of appreciating hard times and, and trying to be there for people in hard times. And, you know, that's, that's one thing I really, really like. I love when somebody's going through something to be, to be able to help them and uh, try to find a way to love on them and pour into them. And so that's one of the things this past year that I've really worked on as well as being a better friend, being a better person, being a better accountability partner and uh, just being better all around. I'm right there with you. Absolutely. Well, in in regards to encouragement and and maybe somebody listening today that that's going through through a tough time what what would you say to them like like what what do you kind of believe and understand uh, just about going through tough times that you've found to be an encouragement that that maybe could help someone else today i i do it probably differently than most i i don't know anybody that that does this and it's just what i've come up with because it's kind of how i relate like Music and worship is a big part of my life, and I love listening to music, and I love singing, and I love singing to God. And um, I literally have a, a list of songs that I that have this encouragement, and it's 15 to 20 songs. When I'm going th- through something or when somebody's going through something, I start sending them songs. We'll just put like a little, you know, word, like, I don't know if you've heard Eye of the Storm. So I'll take that song and, and literally, if, if I need it, I'll, I'll listen to it in the shower and I'll, I'll pray and remind myself and like kind of focus myself and center myself back where, where I need to be. Like, all right, stop feeling far, sorry for yourself, bro. Get yourself back up because we're, it's coming for all of us. There's going to be every, every single day, there's going to be something in your life every day that happens that gives you an opportunity to have a bad day. You, you choose whether you want to empower that. I mean, that's a, I tell my kids, I ask my kids every other day or almost every day, who can ruin your day? And they look at me and they say, nobody. And I was like, that's right. Nobody has the power to ruin your day. If somebody walks up to me and spits in my face right now, I can wipe it off and I can move on and have a great day. Just kind of believing that, receiving that, being able to have uh, people that you can send that to. When people are going through bad times, man, I love to be able to send them songs and send them encouragement and tell them that I'm thinking about them and pray for them and, and love on them and, um, so that's, that's kind of my, my method of, of dealing with tough times and, and ways to fight through them. Yeah, well, no, it's, it's so encouraging to hear. And, and I think oftentimes we, we almost get nervous to bother people when they're going through tough times or we feel like, ah, oh, we don't want to ask them again because, you know, they're in the middle of all this. What, what, like, how do you push against kind of the, the negative thoughts don't that ask. we feel? Don't ask. No, I mean, I don't ask. I'll just send them something. You know, they don't want... People don't want to talk about things a lot of times when they're going through something. That's good. But That's good. When you send them a song and just say, "Hey, dude, I, listen to this song," you know, um, I want you, I want you to listen to this song and I want you to know I love you. And I know you're going through a tough time. And it's going to be fine. And listen to this, believe it, receive it, and boom, 
Yeah. Like, I, yeah, listen, the, the end cards are always taken care of. You know, in the end, it's going to be how it's going to be. I don't, I don't, I don't have anxiety. Don't, don't have anxiety and worries. I mean, God's got to, God's going to make it happen what he's going to make happen. So the more you stress about it, the more you try to change it, it ain't going to do nothing. Mm. It ain't going to do nothing but make yourself stress and make you worry about things that you can't control. So, you know, don't, don't worry about that stuff, man. Just sense that you can sense stuff and be encouraging and, and don't act. And here's another thing too, that I found we're very quick to run beside people when they lose somebody in their life mm. and very quick to run beside somebody when they have stuff that go bad. And we're also very quick after that first week to leave them. Mm. And they're still grieving three months later and they're still going through stuff. But now all the encouragement they got from those people that thought about them for a little bit go out the window. I, to me, like I said, I set reminders in my phone and I'll be like 12 o'clock PM Siri, you know, uh, pray for so-and-so, you know, literally so I can stop what I'm doing and I can pray for, for somebody else. Or I'll say, Siri, remind me at 3 p.m. tomorrow to send so-and-so a message. Um, so we can, we can all do those things and, and not be not be invasive. Ah, I like it. Very good advice. David Pollock with us right now on Unpacking It, college football analyst for ESPN. Of course, you see him on college game day every Saturday morning. And, and so you, you mentioned your, your two kids how, how are they doing, and, and what's kind of the, the latest with them? Well, Nicholas is about to turn 11, my older, my oldest son, and we are cranking up youth league football. Nice. We just finished baseball, preceded by basketball. And whatever <laughs> sport we are in is Nicholas Pollock's favorite sport, and he's going to the NBA, the MLB, or the uh, National Basketball Association, or the uh, <laughs> NFL. So whatever we're in, he is – had a steam in and um, baby girl plays softball and um and does basketball and she does musical theater so we just we're just like everybody else man like the kids keep you busy and we go from sport and sport and have a ton of fun and you know they're, they're getting my kids are kind of it's kind of cool and uh, y'all out there experiencing this experience this a lot sooner than me but we're starting to have some real conversations you know mm-hmm. and that's kind of kind of fun that we can have back and forth and start learning about and I told my kids I'm like listen guys when, I, when daddy started driving you could text and drive and now it's against the law to text and drive <laughs> so if you see me touch my phone I want you to be my accountability partner Maybe. like you're going to help me hold me accountable for not doing that anymore and just about every time I'm in the car I touch my phone and baby girl will be in the back and say daddy don't touch your phone <laughs> I'm like, thank you Leah you know thank you Nicholas it's kind of cool when they get older and they're starting to have conversations and talk about things. It's, it's awesome. Wow. No, I, I love to hear that. That's really neat. And, and I've got to ask you, too. So my wife is due in a couple weeks. So it's kind of any day at this point. This, this will be Congratulations, our Congratulations, brother. Let's go. Yeah, I'm fired up. Really. Boy or girl? It's a girl. So, first one? Yeah, first one. So it's, nice. <laughs> it's, it's big time. And so, yeah, my life's about to change big time. So, what, what kind of advice do you have for a first-time dad today? Bro, the best advice I can give you is buy the Baby Wise Sleep Easy Solution book. Oh. And I'm not talking about, like, in 15 minutes. I'm talking about, like, right now, in 15 <laughs> seconds, go on your phone and order that thing. It's the, it's, the, it's the method of teaching kids to sleep. It's the best thing. I was talking to Greg McElroy at our ESPN meetings, actually, just, just, just today, just recently. Oh, nice. And, um... They're talking about his six, he was talking about his six-month-old that's trouble sleeping. I go, bud, buy this book. It'll change your life. And, you know, six-month-old uh, go down at 7.30, 8 o'clock, and they've never been out of their bed. They don't get up. Me and my wife have tons of time, me and her. 
you know, and get to spend a lot of time together. But parenting is the most, uh, is the biggest blessing you'll ever have in your life. So it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Teach them how to sleep, uh, get, get, get the electronics out of the house and let them, and just hand them balls and let them play and go outside and do all that stuff because there's too much, too much electronics and, and all that stuff going on. But it's, it's fun. It's, uh, it's as rewarding as it gets, man. It's a fun, it's a fun occupation. I'm glad I'm, a, I'm definitely glad I'm a dad. Ah, oh, man. Well, I, I'm, I can't wait. I'm fired up about it and appreciate the advice. And I will definitely get that book because that's been, that's actually been one of my biggest fears is how I'm going to handle the sleep aspect of things. So I, I'm glad you read it, dude, <laughs> read it and do it. Trust me. We do, we did it. 10 and 9 years ago is the best thing we ever did. Ah, I'm glad to hear that. Very cool. All right, la- last thought as we, we wrap things up. I was curious to uh, to hear your thoughts on Mark Richt retiring from Georgia. Of course, your your coach while you were at Georgia. And and I'm curious what kind yep. of what kind of analyst do you think he's going to be this year on ESPN and ACC Network? Well, coach uh, coach called me and he's, and he's like, "Hey, I'll, will you put in a good word for me?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I don't know, coach." I said, "Coach, listen to me, bro." You got a good personality. You're funny. You're smart. You're competitive. Like you got a lot of things that make you good. That could make you good on TV. I said, if you do your interviews like you do, if you do TV like you do your interviews, it's not going to go well. <laughs> but you got you got to show your person. He didn't call me for this for the sugar coating. So trust me, he knew what he was getting when he called me. That's but right. I was just like, man, listen, you gotta you gotta do a, you gotta show the, your personality and have fun with it. And um, so I think I think he'll do good. The ACC Network's brand new and. They needed some voices for the for the ACC network, and I hope he, I hope he, I hope he shows everybody the true coach Rick, who's got a really good, witty personality, kind of funny, and, and some dry humor. And if he does that, I think he'll be successful. That that's awesome. No, I'm excited to watch him. It'll it'll be fun to see. Well, well, David, really appreciate you joining us again on Unpacking It. We always love catching up with you, and just appreciate your uh, energy, passion, and and all that you shared with us today. So thanks so much. No problem, man. Have a good. One. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackinit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackinit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week. 